Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to the Freel Thing podcast with me, Greg Freel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by a man who has, I don't know, over the lockdown period, has become something of a, a legend, um, a myth, if you will. Um, I'm talking about the one and only Colin Shaw, ladies and gentlemen, Colin Shaw. <laughs> Hello. Well, myth, legend. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Um, how are you, sir? Welcome. I'm very well, thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me along. Sure, my my pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, quick thirty seconds on who you are mm-hmm. and what it is you do. Okay, so I'm Colin Shaw. Um, I suppose this is a very simple way of explaining what I do is I create bespoke holidays for the descending traveller. Is the very very simple way of doing what I do. So my basically I'm, I'm a retail travel agent in the traditional sense, but more importantly, and the bit that I find more fun is that I'm also a tour operator. And that allows me to create the bespoke aspects of the holidays. So that's what I do. Bespoke travel for the discerning traveller. Mm. Now, I, obviously I know you rather well, Colin, so I'm, I'm familiar with your excessive travelling over the <laughs> over the years. Um, so and we're, we're normally competing with each other on various um, networking things to outdo one another with people that we've met in exotic locations ah uh, right yeah 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 that's uh, not yeah. that's not so, part of it but really is it it's... <laughs> no 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 not at all. we're not competing at all but you'd win absolutely hands down um actually just just for the viewers at you home want to do it, um, do you? Okay. No, no, no no let's just go let's just think of i don't know give me your top three um exotic locations ridiculously famous or well-known or whatever exotic people that you've met along your channels um, along my travels, not that many. Actually, a lot of it was to do with my my former hobby. But um, I suppose top of the list was I was in Langkawi in uh, Malaysia, which is That's a lovely destination. Okay, right. uh, you, do you know it? No. No. Okay. Ah, okay. No. It's it's one of the island um, uh, islands off the uh, west coast of of northern Malaysia, right. um, and um, I'd gone there. Couldn't get into the accommodation I wanted to stay in. Um, and I was put into a sister property, and the reason was because uh, Nelson Mandela was on the island, and I actually <laughs> met Nelson. I actually met Nelson Mandela, and I shook the man's hand, and I haven't washed it since. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> understandable. Understand? Okay. That's not something that you is expect. That, that it's not, so is, bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> I was just going to say, if that, is that your top three? In your top three, that, I mean, that is the very top. I was just going to say, surely that's that number is, one because that's that is the very top. Um, because See, I would have, I would have started with something else and then worked up to that. No, because actually, if it, if I'm being truly honest and, and and talk about saying I've met such and such and I've been introduced to such and such, the rest of those really I'm pretty sure were all done um, through my when it, when I used to sing. Um, it's not through I can't what, sorry through travel when you used to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was that's that was a hobby. It was a, a no, 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 no. Let's not call it a hobby. Let's call it. I used to sing. I used, used to, to sing. sing. What did you used to sing? I used on? to sing with the city of Glasgow chorus. So let's not. We're not talking about your level of of singing, and <laughs> my level of obscurity. And, no, and certainly like never, and certainly never a solo. Dear God, no! I wouldn't inflict that upon the world. Um, but I said, right, don't okay. do it now. Um, I gave up a few years ago, and. Um, so because of that, I've then met or, or, or come across a number of different, obviously, famous people because that has allowed you to be in that sort of environment. Um, Did you know, uh, so, uh, had you like sung with 
Jose Carreras or somebody like that was there. So the choir, we, the choir sang uh, with Jose Carreras. I'm tr- see, I'm trying to build it up, and you keep underselling yeah, well, it. Well, I do. I will. I'll always under, the choir. I'll always undersell. I was, no. I was driving the bus. I no. mean, come on. <laughs> I'll always undersell because I, I, I'm not that person to be out front and want to be the centre of attention in right. that respect. So, um, no, that's not me. Sorry, if that's what you want, you're not going to get that. No, 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 <laughs> it's no not gonna, absolutely not. It's not me because um, I was, I was one of. You know, a hundred uh-huh. people. Um, to, to be serious for a second, but the Nelson Mandela one is very different. No, that's a, no, that's, that's, a, that's a completely different. different thing. Yes, no, that's a completely different thing. Um, no, but to be serious for a second, um, I'm somebody who, if I was involved in something, I'll talk about it. Yeah, but I will say specifically what my involvement was in it, and credit absolutely everybody who was involved in it, because that's the one thing that I've hated over the years is other people taking credit for things that I've done and not mentioning mm-hmm. me at all. So I know what that feels like. So I'll kind of go the other way and mention, you know, like absolutely everybody, like somebody who held the door open for me when I walked into the studio at the time, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I just think credit where credit's due. I think it's rather, you know, it's just, just well, that, right that, that singing singing in a choir is, is very much an ensemble thing with a, with a choir and yes. an orchestra. And it's, that's the, the whole nature of it. Um, and it was very enjoyable for the 20 odd years I did it. Um, but that was the past. And um, I, I mean, and then I'm going to go into near other names. Way back when I was a young man, I used to be a, a waiter at the Hilton Hotel. So I worked in the travel industry during the day. And at night time, mm-hmm. I was a waiter at the Hilton in the banqueting area. So you met people there, you know, uh, Richard Branson, um, various members of the royal family, various members of politicians, prime ministers. Um, and I served them dinner. A great claim to fame, but then got to talk mm-hmm. to them, um, yeah. and often was introduced to them afterwards after you've actually been through that. So, you know, it's it's not like I got to know any of them. No, no, <laughs> but um, you know, even spending time with you know these kind of people, how well are you really going to know them? You know, but I think this is the thing with people who you know work in um, you know travel and tourism, you know hospitality events. That, you know, there's that cross section of experience. That, quite a lot of people have you know whether whether they've worked in you know as you waiting staff or uh you know that kind of thing where it's front facing and dealing with customers and people face to face and i think you know that kind of experience is invaluable going forward this is a real this got really serious all of a sudden what the hell was that yeah um yeah so and then going forward you've got that experience and you can draw on that experience for you know for everything that you're doing, you know, how, how invaluable was that experience? You know, your formative years in terms of going into to what what you're doing now. Um, I think I think actually my upbringing was more about how how I am and how I am now more than anything. If I'm honest with you, brought up in a family that um, we were always included. The kids, so, so my brother and I, you know, I have an elder brother. We were always part of the family, we weren't the kind of family where the kids had to be quiet or put in another room when people were around. Right. We were always part of it, part of the conversations. So actually, I think that was probably more to do with it. Because um, I then jumped... Your question was shit, Greg. Why did you even ask that? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> because I've always been in the travel industry. So it's not like my formative... You know, I, I've, I've done loads of things before I was in the travel industry. I literally left school and went into the travel industry. So um, I've always been part of that. But because of that... I'm always being around adults. I was able to communicate. Right, right. So being able to communicate on that level. Yes. So, so always be able to hold a conversation. That was never an issue. The only thing that freaked me out when I first started was answering the phone because then I was being listened to yeah. by other people, and that was that was a kind of strange thing. But 
<laughs> that was the days of key and lamp phones. It wasn't anything modern that we have nowadays. <laughs> and um, so that, but otherwise, I would talk to people no problem. Um, so what was your first job? Was it was it working in a hotel or a no, no, working in a retail travel agency. So we we booked in our oh, local right. travel agency at a holiday to go to America, um, and um, whilst we were away, the travel agency decided they wanted to have a start a junior. And I used to go, but these are the days you went into the travel agent every Saturday morning, you know, to find the update of what was happening because we didn't have email and that kind of thing, communication either in those days, because um, we're bringing back to 1983. And um, so you used to go in and find out what's the next part of the holiday that's been booked and what the arrangements are. And I used to go with mm -hmm. my parents to do that. And then to say there was, they were advertising for a junior and they'd let my, my grandmother live with us and they'd, they'd let my grandmother know that they were advertising in case... We had stopped the local paper, which she used to do, you know, go to the museum and stop the paper when you're not away. Um, yeah. And just said, if Colin was interested, it might be something he might want to apply for. And um, I came back and I applied and got the job. And that's literally how I fell into the industry. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't a burning ambition. But, <laughs> was... but presumably, though, you know, that's, you know, you developed your love from it. From that, well, I'd taken the interest in going along every week. It's not that my parents just said, Right, we're going to America and this is what you're doing. I was part of the process. My brother didn't come with us, he was he was a bit older, so he was wanting to work. Um, yeah, you know, so it's, I was part of that process and part of the, the bringing the holiday together as a, as a package. So I clearly took an interest in it, and I think they maybe had just recognized that maybe because I did talk and have conversations and could present myself that maybe I would be somebody that would be suitable for the role. So I, I literally fell into it, but what an industry to fall into. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when, how, how old were you when you first traveled abroad then? Um, first time I ever traveled abroad, we, I was a child. We went to, we did uh, uh, Ibiza, <clears throat> 1971, maybe something, 70, 71, 70. 71, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and then the following year, we took the two grandmas with us to Mallorca. Um, I had to be two grandmothers with us. Um, and then we didn't travel abroad at all as a family until we went to America in 1983. So it was a big gap through all these years. We did lots of trips in the UK with a, another mm -hmm. family and great, great experiences, great fun doing that. And then my first trip um, in the travel industry when I was 18, and I went to Menorca on my own, <laughs> my first holiday on my own, mm -hmm. and um, loved it. <laughs> it was great. So traveling on my own is something that I've always done. And all right, okay. Um, I've only a couple of times, other than <clears throat> work trips, you know, where you're where you're with a group or I'm taking mm -hmm. a group away. Um, other than work things, um, I've uh, normally travel on my own. I've only twice have I ever been with anybody else. Have you done that interrailing kind of thing, or you know the sort of you know, a summer across Europe, kind of the sort of traditional backpacking thing, or is it no. always been a bit more four star and above? No, it, well, yeah, because I literally left school and went into travel. Then you're not going to go in interrail and backpack. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're. St I've been lucky, great, great. I've, I've had the most amazing places to stay. I've stayed in some fantastic hotels because when right. you go and you are the travel agent and you're representing your business, they tend to put you up in nice hotel, in nice accommodation. Um, and and the, the interrailing was was about probably the only backpacking thing that anybody ever did back yeah. in the, those those early eighties. You know the the travelling around the world backpacking wasn't really a thing. 
um, and neither was a gap year. It wasn't really mm-hmm. a thing. It's certainly not in not what I was brought up. It was never a thing. So it, it never was ever part of anything that ever. I never knew anybody that backpacked. I never knew anybody that did a, a year out uh, before going from school to university. So I was just lucky. So eighteen, that that journey started really, and you were traveling all over, yeah. And then traveling fairly regularly thereafter. I I do have years or gaps when I don't do any trips or, or, or go away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not that <clears throat> a lot of my travelling has been done um, a number of years ago, partly because um, in those days you would get the discounts, you know, airlines would give you seats and hotels would give you rooms and off you went. Yeah. That, that, that slowly but surely, you know, dissipated. And to do it on a regular basis, because the travel industry is such small, small margins, people would imagine that yeah, you, yeah. you earn a lot of money. You don't really earn a lot of money. Um, it's about volume of business, and um, you, you therefore you can't necessarily afford um, to to travel a lot. And bearing in mind, I'm single. I live alone. I've got my own flat, my own car. All my expenses have to come out. I don't have a second yeah. income because that, sadly, second income can make the difference between um, the luxuries and the and no luxuries. But I have been lucky to have travelled a lot because of work. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about that because I mean, obviously, you know, the travel industry's been massively affected mm, um, because of COVID. Because of, because of COVID, huge. Um, it's been insane. Um, but the thing that um, I do have to mention though is that right at the start of lockdown, you did what all the best travel agents do is. You were on LinkedIn and you were saying, okay, this is what the latest situation is, you know, and, and being informative and, and sharing that, uh, you know, that knowledge and awareness of what the current situation was, um, because it was just ever changing, you know, and even now it's still evolving all the time. But what what happened to you just, uh, you know, March last year, what, what happened? Well, we could see it happening perhaps a little earlier, because geographically as, as the virus was heading from Asia and coming west, effectively, if you could bookings across the business were getting cancelled. So we knew it was it was going to happen at some point. Certainly not to the degree though of locking the country down that that we did. That was that was more drastic than anybody had thought, and was never something that in the travel industry we would have thought would ever happen. We've always thought, what's the worst case scenario, and that mm-hmm. was never one. And I'm not we're not the only industry that that we've worked on that basis. Um, but for me personally, it just meant. Um, really just taking every single booking that I had and logically working through them and cancelling them down and refunding every single penny that you could that you could give uh, back um, and that includes so, any any money that you've earned nightmare. yourself anything that I'd already earned and was in my mm-hmm. bank I had to give back to so you know um, but and that makes it sound as if I'm hard done to and I'm not because I think in the travel industry as a, as, a, as a whole has been very poorly supported by the government in terms of support and, and start-up for coming as, we, as we're heading out of this. Um, but as an individual, I'm not that hard done by. Um, I was lucky. My business um, isn't the biggest business in the world. It's fantastic, solid, um, really good repeat business. Um, so I could afford to not have bus- bookings coming in. Bigger businesses people with, with larger incomes and travel counsellors mm. and even and other companies would suffer more because they would see such a dramatic drop and would affect yeah. their cash flow in a more dramatic way. So 
I've been lucky in that in that respect as well. But it has meant that, um, for the most part, there has been no business because mm -hmm. you, nobody's been able to book a holiday really um, with any um, sense of security and knowing that you'll be able to go or get your money back should you not. I think that's the thing that's that's so frustrating as well is that I mean my wife loves to always have you know at least one holiday <laughs> booked in advance and you know everybody likes to you know have a holiday booked and, and, and know that okay we've got that to look forward mm -hmm. to and I think that's probably been one of the toughest things psychologically to deal with as well I mean obviously we're, we're dealing with very serious issues in health matters but um, I think just the the limitations you know that you know it's we don't know when you're going to be able to do that uh, and, and not just travel but you know everything is kind of like you know you're going day day to day you know maybe if we're lucky week to week um, and that's the thing that I think's really really been difficult is not being able to plan things the uncertainty it kills it kills people and and I I don't have any more information than anybody else really mm -hmm. has you know we don't get any secret information being passed from the government to the travel industry to, to, to give us a pre-warning of anything but the way things um have happened is that um you, when you said i've been in, on linkedin all the time i've always tried to keep my profile high because yeah. um i i've always wanted to try and out in the ne business networking environment know that i'm the travel guy you know, because there's not that mm -hmm. many people in, in travel industry network. There's a couple, but not that many. Um, but I'm always there. I'm the travel guy. So so when things do get better, um, if I've been around and, and, and I've kept in, in people's eye, then hopefully they'll then bring me some, give me some business. Not as a, Absolutely. For, no, for no other reason than surely now is the time to use a travel agent and, and mm -hmm. my, my services because I've got a better chance of getting a refund and sort things out when things go wrong than anybody else does. And mm -hmm. things have gone wrong badly for people over the last year. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, it goes to, I mean, I say this, I'm pretty sure I say this in almost every podcast I do, but you know, it's, it comes down to if you're not branding, you're selling and if you're not selling you're branding. So it's just that you're building that uh, brand awareness of who you are and what it is that you do and, and developing that trust with, you know, the audience. So as you say, you know, when, when things get back to whatever normal looks like um then you know you're going to be front of mind you know um, whenever they come to and and to and the customer's disappointment about not getting a holiday is reflected in us as well um i've now i was due to go um away last summer um with friends there's a there is a group of us that would often go away um that got postponed till this year We've already decided that this year's not going to happen. So that same holiday will then be put forward to twenty twenty two. Yes, we might do an alternative, and we've got something particular, you know, for a shorter period, um, sort of um, in the diary. Um, but there is the every everybody disappointment makes us, and as if they're the only one who's had a, a holiday cancelled, they haven't. Everybody's been in exactly the same boat, including mm -hmm. including me. So um, maybe I yeah. will get that trip <laughs> eventually. Yeah third time lucky <laughs> is there is there somewhere that you haven't been and you just you know you have that you know you really need to go there you would love to go oh, there but you've never had the opportunity sure. the, uh, my bucket list is huge my right, bucket okay. list is Good. massive um i think 
Um, if you ever hear me say um, I'm off to Botswana, that is also, yes, I will be going to Botswana at some point. It's also a code to let you know I've won the lottery, just so that you're aware. Because right, okay. it's very expensive. <laughs> it's, really it's really expensive. But that's somewhere. But um, I, I'm really, really desperate to get to Vietnam. Believe it or not, I've never been. Oh, okay. I, I'm, it's such an easy destination to sell and put together. And, and, and I've got some great companies that are using Vietnam for ground handlers. Um, I've never been. And Sri Lanka as well, okay. which I've got the most lovely ground handlers in Sri Lanka, who I know personally, and I've known them for years. Used to see them every year at World Travel Market, and they would always, they'd bring you a gift, just because, right, you know, okay. it's that kind of, not just because they had a big bag of them, it was that, I'm calling, you're coming down, I look forward to seeing you, and I've, I've brought you your gift. <laughs> What's that about? You know, Fantastic. so there's, there's people and destinations that I want to go and visit, sure there is, and my list goes on and on and on. Where where have you been that you don't mind? See, my, my wife, she's she's as as I say, she's so obsessed with travel. But there's a couple of places we don't mind going back to. Um, like we 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 always go back to Italy. We got married in Italy, um, so we're you know constantly exploring Italy. Like every time we go back there, we've been to Sorrento a few times in the Amalfi Coast because that's you know where we got married. But we're always trying out different areas, but she generally is kind of of the opinion that you know there's so many things out there to see why go back to the same place and she never understands people who just go on holiday in the one location yeah yeah i think but holidays are different things to different people isn't it so mm -hmm. it's, it's so yeah i've yeah if you think about it I, i've been to malaysia five times but okay. i've never done exactly the same thing when i've been there so it's always been about exploring something slightly different or doing something slightly different and that includes you know, going in the long house with the headhunters or going to the orangutan sanctuaries. I mean, it's, it's not just staying in nice, posh, five-star hotels. Um, Dubai, I've been to God knows how many times, but that's, all been, but that's all been business, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. I've never personally been to Dubai on holiday, but I've probably been nine times, nine, ten times. Yeah. Um, well, Linda's uh, daughter is out in the Middle East, so, you know, in Bahrain, so flying to Dubai to get to Bahrain. So, you know, we've been there uh, quite a few times. Um, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about Dubai. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of like stepping into the future. You know, just the, <laughs> the way it looks. And all that, the whole... It just changes so much. Yeah, it's uh, never the same. Never the same. There's, there's, I, the, the, between the first and second time that I went to Dubai, there was a nine-year gap. Right. And, oh, that would be massive. It was huge, huge yeah. change. Um, but you didn't you, they you... develop the metro in that period? You know, it wasn't <laughs> no, that there. Was, that was even after that. <laughs> When I when I first went to Dubai, there was there was a hotel called the Chicago Beach, which had just closed, and that's right. where the Jumeirah Beach Hotel, the one on the on yep. the on the beach side, but that's that's like the sale, and they were just putting some glass at the beginning of the um, Burj, uh, the one that sits in the, the sail that's in the water. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then the next time I went, <laughs> everything was the the Chicago Beach was knocked down, the Jumeirah Beach Hotel was there up and operational. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. it was just it. But with Dubai, there's always Sheikh Zayed Road, and if, if there's something on Sheikh Zayed Road that you'll recognise, it's now four lanes wide. But there's always something you yeah. go, ah, I remember that sign or that hotel or something mm -hmm. there. But I love, I love Dubai because it changes, mm -hmm. and I've had some yeah, I mean, it, fantastic, kind of, I've stayed in some fantastic properties in Dubai. It's just amazing. It, yeah, no, I mean, and it's kind of, it's kind of got an energy about it that's kind of, it's a cross between Vegas and New York. You know, um, and something else entirely. You know, outer space. You know, it's just 
it's just got this incredible buzz about it it runs at 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. and then you've got Abu Dhabi further up the road it runs at 60 yeah. miles an hour <laughs> they're only an hour and a yeah. half difference you know between the two of them it's quite strange yeah but uh, no Dubai is definitely um, one we kind of want to get back to we're, we're actually we're, we're talking about if it's if it's possible in terms of like with restrictions and all that kind of thing we'd love to try and get to we're, we're big fans of the F1 so and we we've been to Bahrain Grand Prix before, so we're, we're wondering about trying to get to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at the end of the season. Yep. So um, end of the, sh- end of this see. what this season? Hmm. This this particular season. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good luck. Well, let's see. That that's going to be December. Yeah, it's always November December, isn't it? It's always the last. Yeah, it's so, always the last um, one, but um, it it's one where tickets come out really really early yeah. and commitment is early yeah yeah so um maybe not this year <laughs> <laughs> well why don't we plan it for next year there there's an idea absolutely <clears throat> you can plan the monte carlo one for us as well <laughs> no ways the monaco for the monaco grand prix yeah oh god that would be amazing um i can do that yeah, no, I, no doubt, no doubt. My bank balance won't. Ah, oh, what's that got to do with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what's what would you say is the thing that you're looking forward to most, you know, whenever we're getting back to, to travel uh, and actually being able to kind of go beyond, you know, our locale? Oh, gosh. For me personally, I think um, this trip, that I do with friends um, if that comes off in August that'll be just nice because I'm um, there's a, as I said there's a group of us um, up to 12 of us would then normally um, spend uh, some time in, in the Algarve um, nice. down there and um, you know different people flying in, in and out at different times and it's just you know it's just fantastic and we, we do have this week now planned because the, the, the trip we were going to do as I say we're not going to do it um, and I'll see eight, maybe, um, if I can, but because I haven't seen them for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the only one in Scotland, you see, so um, any travel restrictions, I mean, I've not been able to see the word, no jabs and that kind of thing. So for me personally, that's going to be the, from a travelling point of view, the chance to see them again will be great because we have such a great relationship. Um, from a, 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 a customer point of view, just allowing people to get go away and, and, and do what they want to do and those who've got um, relatives overseas who you know I've got people who are just desperate to go to Australia for Christmas and go and visit relatives mm-hmm. who may not be around another year you know people are getting old and, and they just yeah. can't get there so if I could fulfill some of that that would be fantastic um, and, and just, even just a flight, I don't care. It's just that mm-hmm. people need to go and visit their their relatives and their friends, and that's that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. If you could give any advice to um, anybody who's thinking about traveling just now, what would be some a, a sort of general sensible travel advice? Not just for for COVID, you know, dur- during this you know period of time, but maybe some just general travel tips that you, you think are always useful. Um, check the rules um, make sure you understand them um, check the financial security of the people that you're booking with 
it doesn't matter. Let's put me out, take me out of the equation. So regardless of where you're booking, make sure that um, if they go into liquidation or the third party, the suppliers are going into liquidation, that you can get your money back. Because that is mm. still an issue today of people booking with dodgy companies and, and money not getting paid back. Um, and, and and I know you say out of COVID rules, but COVID's going to be around here for a long time. It's yeah. going to affect us. And for goodness sakes, make sure you know all the rules around COVID. And there are many of them. <laughs> it's not You're not just checking in one place. You're not just checking to see whether the traffic light says you can go. That's only about bringing people back into this country. It's got nothing to do mm. with really leaving this country. It's more about allowing people back in. Um, you've still got to check the foreign office. You've still got to check the, the um, destination as well. There's three sets of rules that you have to try and apply just to go away at the moment. It's quite complex. <laughs> See, this is why someone like you is utterly necessary, Colin. Sorry, Greg, what did you just say there? <laughs> I said this is why someone like you is utterly necessary. Oh, God. We surely become into our own. I mean, surely at the end of the day, you know, I the the amount of access to resources, I know exactly. I've got access on my our own in-house system, a booking system, to the foreign office. I've got direct mm-hmm. access into the foreign office web pages and to the destination web pages, plus access into, you know, everything is there. Click a button and I've got, I, I, I could find the information out. And that's the only way you're really going to know, surely, is somebody else who then has to take responsibility. Remember, these these things, and we check them, we are then responsible. By law, we are responsible mm-hmm. to make sure that we've given the correct information. If we've given the wrong information, you can take us to court. Not that we yeah. want to be followed by being forced by law, but that's the law. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really important. But if, if you've booked direct online, it's your responsibility. It's not the other the third party. It's not your tour operator. It's not your, let's say it's a, a package that you've bought online. It's not their responsibility to tell, to tell you the rules and regulations. It's your responsibility. Whereas you book with a travel agent, it's our responsibility. It, flip, it really flips completely on, the, on its head. So um, there's absolutely no reason not to know what you're going to do or what needs to be done if you speak to mm-hmm. somebody like me. So, Colin, if, if people are wanting to um, connect with you and find out more about who you are and what you do, um, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Oh, gosh. Um, you can get in contact with me anyways. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, email colin.shaw at travelcouncillors.com or dial 01698 That's my landline from my office. You're going to be absolutely inundated with people. I do hope so. Even if it's not for this year, you know, <clears throat> the best thing you can do is plan for 2022 and let's get it in the diary. Yeah, no, absolutely. Colin, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Um, it's been a pleasure as always, sir. Thank you. And uh, all the best going forward. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to, to travel myself, it has to be said. You too. Yeah. Right, I'll you talk too. to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Bill.